0: Welcome to That's My Personal Business, where we are pulling back the curtain on all things personal, all things business, and all things in between. Every Monday, we're hopping into your headphones to help you skip the learning curve by hearing from industry professionals, including myself. I am a destination wedding photographer turned business coach who now gets to lead hundreds of creative entrepreneurs in building lives of artistic growth, wealth, and freedom. And now it's time for you to do the same. Hello, hello, you guys, and welcome back to another episode of That's My Personal Business. Happy New Year. Can you believe it that we're like coming to you live in 2024? I actually cannot believe it. It's insane. I cannot believe we are in a new year, a new month, all of that good stuff. And yeah, I'm incredibly excited about this new year. 2023 was a bit of a slower year in terms of launches. Like we didn't launch a bunch of new things and 2024 is absolutely going to be the year of launches and I'm so excited to be bringing you a bunch of new resources and it's just, it's going to be so much fun. We have such fun things planned, me and the team, and I'm so excited to share it all with you. So some exciting things are coming up. What else is new? I'm recording this pre-New Year's. I'm recording this full transparency on the 29th before I leave to D.C. to second shoot a wedding with the incredible Judson Rapport, which Judson, I actually don't know if I say your last name correctly, sorry, but Judson's an amazing film photographer and I'm seconding for her in D.C., which I'm really excited about as I like get back into photography, um, which leads me to my next point, which is that New Year, New Theme. We're talking all about photography this month. So for those of you that are not photographers, I think this month will still be incredibly helpful for you. It might be a little less interesting for you if you're not a photographer at all, but most of you are. And even if you're not a photographer, there's going to be such amazing things that come out of these podcast episodes. They're already recorded. We've been prepping for this one for months. And we have such incredible, talented guests on the podcast this month that I'm so excited to share with you. So we are talking all about photography this month. And while we're on the topic, Before we dive into today's episode, we have a few matters of business, number one being that book club is coming. Book club is going to be like the one podcast episode this month that is not photography specific. But if you missed it... We are reading The Courage To Be Disliked and I'm so excited about this. Get the book, we're gonna be doing this on the third week this month. We're gonna be doing book club. So get reading if you haven't already, I—that that is me. I have not started reading yet and I need to. So you're—we don't worry, you're not behind, I'm also behind. So actually, we are behind, and it's fine, and we're going to catch up, and it's going to be lovely. But everything else is going to be photography-themed, which leads me to my next point of catch-up. Wow, we're a little scatterbrained today, Um, which is that we have the in-person artificial light workshop soon. I'm so excited. We have a few spots left for March. We are doing an in-person flash photography retreat so that you can master your skills. Think of it like a content day where you leave with like very tangible, actionable skills for your little toolbox of photography. Uh, it's really important to me that people don't only leave with a pretty portfolio boost, but that they also leave with skills that they can take into wedding season. And so we are going to be having a full day workshop dedicated to harsh or not harsh light, artificial light and flash photography, which I'm so excited about. This will be the second annual one. Last year was amazing, and we have like such incredible, sweet reviews that you can find on the sales page, which we will link for you below. Come apply. Come join us in New York. It's going to be absolutely magical. I cannot wait for the shoots. I cannot wait to teach you guys. I cannot wait to hang out. It's going to be amazing. So don't miss it. And I think that's kind of it, you guys. We don't have a lot of updates this week. Launches are going to get really, really crazy next month, which I'm really excited about. But Come sign up for some freebies. Come sign up for the in-person workshop, all of that good stuff. And let's go ahead and get started on today's podcast episode, which is Daniel Kim. You know him. You love him. You want to be him. I get it. He's amazing. And he is as incredible of a person as he is artist, which is hard to do and hard to come by. And so I was so giddy that we could get him on the podcast to talk to you guys about. His episode is just so fucking phenomenal. And I'm so excited to listen to it more. I'm so excited to listen to it again alongside you. So do not skip this one. I'm going to stop blabbering so that we can get in on it because Daniel Kim is absolutely phenomenal. And yeah, let's get started. What's a beat? Oh, like I'll take like a quick pause and then I'll welcome everyone to the podcast. (laughs) And then I'll welcome you to the podcast. No, you're (laughs) fine. I loved it. (laughs) That was great. If anything, let's just go from here. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh my Um, God. I love it. What's a beat. That was the beat. Welcome everyone to the podcast. Welcome Daniel (laughs) Kim. I'm so excited to have you today.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh my gosh. I'm stoked. For those that somehow don't know you yet, could you give us a little introduction on yourself?
1: Yeah. um, My name is Daniel Kim and I'm a photographer um, and I shoot weddings and that is the direction not the direction but that's the order of things that I I see I'm a photographer first and then I just show up at a wedding um uh, versus I'm a wedding
0: ooh i love can you like expand on that what does that like mean to you i love that
1: yeah um so basically like i it's it's kind of like when you think of wedding photography right um and you you don't just talk to only photographers you talk to anybody You you say wedding photography, and there's a certain image that usually pops up. And even when I say this, right, everyone knows the types of images that pop up in mind. But why does it have to be like that, right? Like 30 years, 40 years, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, I don't know if there were wedding photographers. I think it was just like photographers, and they shot how they they shot at a wedding. So whether they were street photographers or portrait photographers, that's what they were like. Um, Because usually I don't don't think there was an industry. Mm -hmm. And so when I say I'm a photographer first, it kind of like, well, usually what I say is I see myself as a person and a human first. And what that means is one, we as photographers, we are observers of the world. And I think what a lot of people forget and when I have people come in and I do mentor sessions and I do group settings and I teach and I always ask, okay, you guys are telling me all these things about what you want out of photography, out of your business. And and then I work backwards. I go, okay, what do you want out of your photography? Not letting photography. What do you want out of your photography? And then I go, okay, what do you want out of your life? Because photography is, is our observations of the world, right? Because it's not like another medium, like painting or um, anything else where you can literally create something out of nothing. Like you can, you might get influences from the world, but you can create like a creature or a scene that never existed before. Photography, we rely on the world and in in what's in front of us. But most of us sometimes, and maybe us as a society as a whole, we forget to actually, like, live in the world. And you can't observe something that you can't see. Like, we talk about seeing, but we never talk about – we only usually talk about it from the perspective of through the lens.
0: Mm-hmm. You see
1: with your eyes first,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: you photograph. It. And then and the result – I know it's like – Obviously, it's like, well, duh, Daniel, but like, but that's the thing is, is sometimes most people only think of things when there may be, where they only think about photography when they're on a job. Hmm. They think about different angles when they're on a job. But if you're only practicing that, you know, if you, even if you did it, a shoot every day of the week for an hour, that's only six hours that you're practicing that week.
0: Yeah, you want to get your
1: ten thousand hours in. I mean, constant. If you can constantly do this, that'll help you get your ten thousand. That's just my personal like. That's my personal path I'm taking, and just something that I I've, I've um, noticed has helped people just with that simple mind mindset. You know.
0: No, I love that. Has this always been your approach to photography or is this something that you've like kind of developed? Because I think we are, I think coming out of this phase of photography, but I got started almost like a decade ago now and so mm-hmm. i like barely got a glimpse of what i would call like more natural photography before we got stuck mm-hmm. in the like really posed, really curated, yeah. really structured kind of era of photography that we've seen over the last several years um mm-hmm. and i think that's shifting, which i'm really excited about, but obviously it's been it's been a very curated art for the last Mm -hmm. like several years. So have you always had this approach or is it something that you've had to like really develop over time? Like how has it kind of come to you?
1: Um, It's something that was always there um, and that I've developed. I mean, I've been doing this for 16 years, right? So um, I started when I was 19 and then didn't stop. I haven't stopped. Um, And it's something that I had to just kind of develop on my own over time because I mean I think a lot of people have to realize how much how different the landscape is to learn photography even like subjects like this like when I was fucking starting like YouTube was all about these chat videos there was like a channel the fuck was a channel you know like subscribers there was no subscriber button I literally had to track down um, a friend who took photography in high school and be like, hey, can I have your notes? Because there was nothing online.
0: It's such like a if you have team. to find
1: something, yeah, you have to like go to a forum, like with like people who usually shot like birds. And then, no, like that's totally fine, you know? Like, but those were the types of forums I had to go through um, to get info. And so no one was talking about this kind of stuff unless it was in art school, but then in art school, it's, it's, you're just surviving. Like you're this college student just surviving this didn't really happen until I learned from this guy, his name is John Dolan. Um, and like, it kind their question kind of goes into this like journey of how I, how I got to the style that I shoot now. Cause until like five years ago, five years ago, I was very, very like classic wedding. Like, Superposed, like I shot on a contact 645 with FUJI 400 film and like everything was dreamy and it was curated like it was very um perfect and because that's what everyone wanted and then had this like family um this family situation happen. And long story short like our house ha- my dad's house caught on fire while I was at a wedding and Oh my God. we had to end up taking care of everything by ourselves without the insurance companies so we had to tear it down ourselves like we had to you know figure out how to build it ourselves like all this stuff and this was in the middle of wedding season and what happened was while I was at the wedding and I got this call from my dad I'm like shooting these details at these flat for these invites and then uh I get this call and then Basically, it's like, hey, uh, dad's house is on fire, blah, 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 blah. And then finding out that, oh, uh, no one's coming to save us. Like insurance companies are coming to save us. No contractor or firefighter. Well, firefighters, obviously.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I Um, hope they were there.
1: Yeah, but no one's like coming to like clean the house and demo it and like Mm -hmm. tell us what to do. It's like it was all on me and my dad. And so I'm at this wedding realizing this shooting this flatly with this green ribbon and like it was that's the style I shot in mm-hmm. and then um bridesmaid comes out and she goes hey can you so actually can you switch out this dusty green ribbon for like this sage ribbon because like it was like a really big deal for us to like figure out these colors and which I understand but then at that moment I'm like I don't give a fuck about this mm. like this is so stupid. That's in my head at the time, Yeah, you know, like out of all the things to worry about in the world, you're worried about this stuff that you're not, you're going to get I spent 45 minutes laying out for one photo. And then I, and then, you know, while like, I went home that night, I was a new dad, didn't see my family. Like I was like a new dad in the middle, middle of busy season. And like, you know, obviously told my wife, hey, this is what happened. I got to go to my dad's house as soon as this wedding's done. and we got to demo this house um, and ourselves. And while I'm demoing this house, I'm just thinking like photographs that I take mean that I don't feel anything. Mm. And because, you know, when something like that happens and you're literally in the thick of it, you really think about a lot. Of things. And so I decided at that hey if I can't change my photography in five years I'm quitting like I have five years I have a deadline um and so I went went on the search for anybody who was shooting in a way that resonated with that made me feel not and it was a difference between like Oh, this is a photograph of an emotion. Like these people are running, and it's yes, yes. And it's like, oh my God, so like epic. It wasn't like I wasn't looking for that. At the time, there was two styles, like this perfect style and this very like, this very like free, um very like, you know, spinning and jumping and movement. But what I was looking for was something that I could see in a museum. Mm. Who was making work? where i could see this in a gallery right not an ad in a gallery i could see this wedding photograph in a gallery and i searched for two years or actually three years um and i made i made a commitment like i have five years to do this or i'm quitting and in 2020 uh, or in 2019 i found this guy john bolden I saw this photograph and it was like not technically perfect at all but it it made me feel something and i remember i remember getting getting super high <laughs> love i don't know that. if you want me to mute that i don't heck know heck but yes. it's just, like one of those times yeah yes, it's just like, no, i, hey, love I that. was on my i was on a break there was no weddings happening but i just remember like getting like you know, just being in this state of mind. And then I'm looking through his like website on my phone, like sitting in the backyard. And I'm like looking at these photographs. I'm like, why did these, like, why, why am I feeling these things? Like, why is this making me feel this way? Like, I shouldn't like this photo, but for some reason I do. I shouldn't like this photo because it's blurry and it's like a little out of focus. And it's just like, but it's like, it's doing something to me. And then I thought, oh, I could see these in a gallery. This is the one person i i found who i'm like this could be in a gallery and so i reached out to him and i went to go learn from him and ever since then and that was in 2020 and then the pandemic happened and i didn't have a chance to like exercise what i learned immediately but i did have a lot of time over the pandemic because i went to learn from him like in february like end of February and then mm. I think like three weeks later the the lockdowns happen, and I'm just like okay I got two years left and now how long <laughs> is this gonna last Yep. and I just had a lot of time to think and during that time is when I kind of was like you know what really matters and I think it's really important for people to to have that time because your photography reflects yourself and your photography reflects who you are as a person. And so you really do have to kind of get a handle on what you value and what you cherish before you can like go and photograph, because you want to see into someone's, you want to see into a photographer's soul. Like don't ask me questions with the photographs because it says everything. Art comes from the artist. So the artist has to take care of this first. Mm. And when I saw this guy's photographs, his name's John, I met him in person and I go, yeah, this matches up. And this, and I think what a lot of people don't know, if you've never heard of him, is, is he's been doing it for over 35 years. Oh, wow. Yes. Like, Martha Stewart found his photographs and he, they would I think she was like, I need these in my magazine. Like, these oh, OG. And I think when you look for a mentor, you you need to look for people who are, well, one, who have lasted. Like, mm-hmm. oh, can you imagine? A lot of people have an exit, right? Oh, I'll do this for five years and then seven years or 10. 10 years and it. what's my what's my exit this guy's still shooting still shooting and i thought i looked at that and I go that's the path
0: yeah that's and someone that loves their craft
1: loves their craft, and so that's how i got here so within since 2020 until now what i'm known for like the photography i'm known for has only been from the last two years, three years. Like it's yeah. Yeah. Which is but crazy because in my head I'm like, yes. you've
0: been doing this forever.
1: <laughs> but what I'm known for now has only been from the last three years. But what happens is the first 10 years is all tech. Mm-hmm. Right? Because a lot of people ask like well how how can I how can I learn to see? Well if you're worried about technical aspects that taking up brain space. So, what you should, what I figured out how to do is learning how to see when I'm not thinking about aperture, shutter speed, mm-hmm. all that. Stuff. Because if you can learn to see it first, then you bring the camera up, then you start thinking about that stuff, and then you go. But you can't start even, you won't even start thinking about aperture, shutter speed, um, ISO, unless you see it first.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so when I go out and scout or when I just go out in life um, or just taking a walk or running, all my bandwidth is on just like seeing and observing because honestly, like it's a pretty good way to live to like actually appreciate it.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask like uh, how that personally manifests for you, like what your practices are for like like you said, like taking care of yourself as a human and just being a human and how that translates into your work. Like, how do you, you just gave us one, but I'm assuming you have a couple. Like, how do you take care of yourself or prioritize being like a human experiencing things first and foremost, rather than Um, a photographer?
1: Yeah, well, one of the big things I do, and it might not be for everyone, is one of the big things I do every day is um, meditation. And I do transcendental meditation. Where I went and learned from a teacher mm. um and you sit for 20 minutes twice a day uh, and then you, you know you I, I call it dropping in I drop into what is considered a flow state and because if I can learn to drop in into a flow state twice a day um, it gets easier to do it when it comes to shooting a web. the other thing too is with meditation is it leaves you with an open mind. So, because you're processing, like, I, you have to think, like, when's the last time that you sat for 20 minutes doing nothing? Like, nothing. Not, not a podcast. Not running. Not on your phone. Not checking your emails. Not listening to music. Like, where you just sat there. And it's I think pretty rare. Gotta, it's <laughs> rare, but I do feel like people used to do that a lot um, before the smartphone. Because you're waiting in line at the grocery store, you're just sitting there, like processing your day, and all that stuff takes up space in your brain. So when you meditate, you're clearing out all that because you're you're you you can think about that stuff when you meditate, but it's clearing it out, leaving you open for new things to come in. And so learning how to do that has allowed me to be like, hey, here's a wedding. If I'm at a wedding, here's a scene happening. This is usually how I take the photograph. But I'm not thinking about that. I'm just thinking about what's happening and being like, and it's always the what if, well, what if I shot it like this instead? Or instead of this is how usually it's more, what if I what if I shot it um, from a totally different movie? what if I shot it with totally different friends but for a lot of people uh, and this is one of the biggest things I learned from, from John that's risk. Yeah. you don't know what you're going to get but you can either play it safe and get media get you know like what you know you're going to get there's no surprise there And to be honest, if you know what you're going to get already, right? the client probably knows too. And there's no surprise when they open up the gallery. You want there to be an element of surprise. But how can you surprise your client if you can't even surprise yourself? And that's where the open mind is. Hence the meditation.
0: Yeah. How did, wow, I love that. And I love the idea of, Wanting to surprise our clients. I think like like my brain immediately goes to the amount of times that I I have probably complained. I've heard people complain about the like I sent a gallery and I didn't get a response. Um, and it's an interesting like train of thought to think about like, well, how many times have they basically seen that gallery in different formats, like just with different people in it? Yes. That's crazy yes. to think about. I'm like, yeah, they may not have even been surprised. They might've been like, yes, this is exactly what I expected. And what else mm-hmm. are they going to say f- <laughs> about that?
1: I mean, I think a good exercise is always to take your portfolio and mix it up with the people in your market, right? And give it to somebody. And who has, I mean, maybe they have a similar editing style or anything. like mm-hmm. that. You give it to somebody you go pick out my photos and that's how that's you know how do you stand out well literally ask someone pick out my photos like someone who doesn't know your work because that's what your potential clients are doing
0: yeah that's humble I'm sure that would be a humbling exercise I'm like I know that there's yeah I'm like I'm sure I know not I'm sure I'm like I know there are especially stages in my career where you like could not probably pick me out of a lineup
1: Mm-hmm. but it's not to say that that's good or bad it's just that's what it is
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I think a good a good exercise for mindset is instead to if you think like I can't pick because that's how I was I can't like these people couldn't tell the difference between mine and these other five photographers we all shape this well why do we all shoot the same? because I followed what I thought the market wanted And so did they. And Mm -hmm. so we're all following this like template versus it's what can I get that no one else can get. Um, but that only happens if you leave it open and -hmm. have no expectations on the way.
0: So I was going to say, yeah, like, how did you make this transition? Cause I think that's both like personally and client facing because I think that's something that a lot of people one like you said there's a risk like it's Mm -hmm. it's scary to like I know it took me an embarrassing amount of time even to just start shooting 35 millimeter film because I was like that's so risky what if I do it wrong what if I miss an entire series of moments um like I just shot an entire engagement session the other day on film and I was like, this is so scary to like take mm-hmm. this risk. And um, it took me forever to get started. So I know there's like such a personal format or like personal series of things to overcome when you're trying something new. But then there's also the client facing of like, how do I warm up a clientele or a future clientele or an audience who's expecting Maybe something a little bit more blueprinty. Like, how did you make that transition, both internally and externally, in a way that made sense for both you and your clients?
1: Well, one of the things is that I made it personal. Like, before I made this transition, in my wedding work, I was already shooting. I was. I have always been shooting the way that I'm known for now. I've always been shooting like. For my personal work. But it's a lot easier to be the same photographer, both in your own life and at a wedding, than it is to like flip this switch and be like, oh, now I'm a wedding photographer and I have to take these types of photographs. And I showed my personal work. So my audience, but it would always be like so different from my wedding work, right? Um, in the time when I was building my not you were always building. In that time when I was building my business and my career, I would the one thing I did against the grain was I showed my I showed my life, I showed my personal photographs. I showed um, I wasn't just a business, and I never wanted to be a business. My fucking name is on the, my fucking name is on the business name. Like it says, Daniel Kim Photography. Like, well, where is Daniel Kim? I see Daniel Kim Photography, but where's Daniel Kim? Like, who am I getting? to show up to my wedding you know i realized this when i would show up to weddings and people were like oh i thought you were going to be like you know a lot older and you're like you know 25 now i was just like oh well i guess i you don't know a lot about it right but then once you once i started showing up personal work in my myself i realized people are okay with it people loved my personal work and my family just like the portraits uh or the portraits that I would shoot or just like the landscapes and I would just experiment and people would like it. But then all of a sudden, it's not okay to do that at a wedding. Well, my audience had already seen my work. So then the quite so then the thing I did was one talk to my clients, being like, you, you know, like these photographs that you've seen me post and stuff, and I would see that they like it or comment. Be like, well, I would love to do this at your wedding. Like I would up to do this. So I already had like a mini portfolio. But you can't do that unless you make personal And the other thing too is I lowered the stakes. So I would like see for free. And this was during this was during like COVID, like when I lost all my jobs. And that was the biggest risk. Like I you know, it's not just me or me and my life. Like I got a I got a daughter, I got mortgage i got tuition to pay for you know i have to you know whereas um it's just me and my wife doing this business so when you lose all your jobs for the year and you need money well how bad do you want it are you you willing to shoot for free to get to a certain point with your art not your career because this was not helping my career at this. point. i needed Mm -hmm. money but are you at a certain point where you're saying like I'm willing to not make money when I need it the most right now in order to to do this. Um and so I lowered the stakes because what are they gonna say? Hey, um so we didn't, you know, I would talk to my clients, but I would tell them like, but for potential clients, and I would say like, but I have this idea. I don't want to do this. And on the other side, you don't have to pay Mm -hmm. worst comes to worst you know you wanted to hire me to begin with worst comes to worst you're going to get good photographs.
0: yeah
1: that's the worst thing that's going to happen really
0: I love that I think that's something that like that's something I've been trying to do a lot is free shoots now that I I just started shooting again for the first time in years and it's been so liberating to like get back into it for the art rather than thinking Mm -hmm. about the bills, because even though it's so cool and it's fucking amazing that we can earn the money that we can as creatives, there's also just like a psychological shift that takes place when your rent depends on it. And um, Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine with a family, like, I'm like, that's a whole nother series of stakes. And so I think being able to, connect with yourself enough to be like okay but I I am passionate about the art and the art is important and so I want to do this just for the art like that's such an incredible thing to do and also for I think people to hear
1: yeah and I think if you're a little bit because here's the thing I would never tell somebody do this if it means not putting through. it yeah I was willing to do it because I I basically told myself you better you better fucking do this motherfucker like you have a lot on the line so if you're doing this you're going all in you're going all in um because you 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 do you do not have a chance to lose especially right now like not lose you don't have a chance to not do this um but you know some people they have like five kids and they're doing this, and that's a lot higher stakes than me. So I always just tell people, it's great to be a, it's great to be a great artist, you know, starving artist. But it's, it's, it's a lot better when your stomach is full. So I always tell people, if you're gonna do this, pay your bills first, and then add this. I see this not as a free shoot. I see this as as instead of them paying me to shoot, I am paying myself to shoot out of my own money. When you start shifting your mindset into, if this is not free, I'm investing into myself. You will go into that way and you're going to be like, I'm giving this like 300%. I ain't making money on this. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people... I've noticed when they they do it for free, they go, they're a little bit lackadaisical. Like, it's free. It's, no, it is not free. You are losing money to do this. You're investing it into yourself. So you actually need to really, really, really show up. Hmm. And if you go into it with that mindset, I believe, I mean, you'll be, you'll see, I think a lot of people will see how much they've been
0: No, I think that's incredible. I think that's like an amazing way to shift work that is done without physical money, like monetary Mm -hmm. payment is, yeah, this is an investment in yourself. And so go, I'm like, I always think of it like I paid for my own college when I did go to college Mm -hmm. and I worked so much harder than I would have if my parents had paid for it or like my friends whose parents did pay for it. Like I was busting my ass because <laughs> it was coming out of my own pocket. And yes. I, I watched my friends who their parents paid for it and they were just chilling. they were just there for the vibes, which is fine. Um, But I love this, this idea of like thinking of your, free quote unquote shoots as this, like, this is an investment myself. This is me investing money because I took a, I took an L here. And like, so this is my opportunity to like really give it a hundred percent. I think that's incredible.
1: And a little tip. I think this is a lot better in my personal opinion than doing a style shoot Mm. because one style shoot, if you were to set up a style, you're paying for that. But this way, this you're literally getting a whole wedding to shoot, right? This is the beginner's mindset. Like, would you, at the time, would you 15 years ago, would you like shoot this for free if you have a chance, this wedding, where you're at now? Because the level of weddings that you are at now is probably different than when you first started. So if you were first starting, would you be like, would you go to a TARP and be like, I will second shoot this wedding? for free like if you just give me a chance you got to have that mm. with the skills that you have now. and mm-hmm. with the wedding and everything that is in front of you
0: yeah it i love that
1: Likes that fire under your ass so.
0: oh that's incredible yeah i think that's such a like good perspective shift when I think once you've been doing it for so many years, it kind of becomes a routine and it feels monotonous Mm -hmm. and you just like go in you do the thing. So I love this idea of being like, bringing back that like tenacity that you had when you were like first starting, like, man, I was willing to do, like, you're so gritty (laughs) when you first start, like, you're like, I don't do anything. I'm making this happen. And yeah, it's crazy to think about how we... We view our work now as so casual when, like, us at the beginning would have been just chomping at the bit in order to shoot something like that.
1: And it's funny that you say, like, sometimes we look at... Because I've done it, too. Like, everything I talk about, I've done, too. And when we look at a wedding as, like, we shoot it casually, right? I saw... Have you watched... Have you seen The Bear?
0: I haven't seen it yet, no.
1: Okay. There's this scene... Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, but it's, it's not a spoiler alert. Well, kind of. That's um, okay. Okay, there's this scene in the bear. It's, it's a Michelin star restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. So um, one of the guys is going to work at a Michelin star restaurant just to work. Um And he's like, he's grumpy. He's like, you know, I don't want to be here, like blah, blah, blah. But his, his boss, who's a chef, and had connections there, and worked there, said, I want you to go and just be there for a week. So he shows up and all they're doing having him do is clean forks And he's like, This is beneath me. But all he's doing all day is polishing fork fork after fork after fork, hours and hours. And he basically got sent aside by the manager at that mission star restaurant. And then the guy goes, Hey, here's the thing, man. People save up all year. They save up two years. There's like a teacher that there's teachers that have saved up all year to be here for this experience for two hours, all year for two hours. And you think this is beneath you. And the thing is, yes, this might be every day for you, but every night here is the fucking Super Bowl because these people have been looking forward to this all year. And I thought, that's weddings. Mm. And by not giving ourselves the best opportunities and pushing ourselves well what's that for the client because we talk about ourselves a lot and I know right now up until now it's been all of us as artists but we're serving clients and if you show up for your clients every even if it's like a double header to us oh my I, I noticed this during COVID when I was doing like five weddings a week from reschedules. Mm-hmm. I was just like, "Man, this is my this is my like fifth wedding in like eight days." But guess what? That was their one wedding they were waiting for. Mm-hmm. And so showing up with that mindset, you know, not it's not about you. It's not about us. We might bring our style into it but ultimately it's, it's for the client. Yeah. And so that's what really drives me ever since I saw that scene.
0: Yeah. I love that. I'm like, I love thinking of it as like this super bowl. I think everyone I'm like, That's been such a perspective shift, I think, also just after the pandemic of just, like, this is such a huge, ginormous deal that now, especially post-pandemic, like, most people have been waiting years longer than they expected. Like, we're still kind of seeing that. I think we're kind of coming out of post-pandemic weddings now, but, like, we're seeing these people that have waited for years and years and years and, like, to have this one day and how fucking like what a fucking honor it is that we get to be the ones that preserve that for them like that's crazy like when you actually Mm -hmm. think about it i'm like that is the craziest job that we could ever be given is that we're in charge of capturing and preserving this day that they have been looking forward to for years at minimum, like at minimum, they have been mm-hmm. planning this for years. Um, And we get to capture such a complex and beautiful thing for them to look back for years and years and years forever.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's, I think people push themselves harder when it becomes outside of ourselves.
0: Mm. Absolutely. So when it's
1: just for us, you know, I mean, that's people can push themselves hard for just themselves, but. Like, man, if I was if I was fighting for my life, you know, I'm fighting. If my daughter's life is on the line, dude, I'm destroying, it, right? And it's the same thing with with me. I think about my own relationship with my wife, you know, and I think, man, like, wait, you know, because we've been together since uh, since 19, mm-hmm. and I think, man, this couple has made it. Yeah. This is a big deal. Wow. Wait, they've known each other since high school and they've been together for 15 years already? Okay, wait a second. This is a really big deal. Yeah. Then you start. Okay. The other thing too is I've noticed when I started thinking about this and I was giving everything, like everything at a wedding, I didn't, if something didn't happen, like I didn't get it. Or there was like a mistake. I didn't beat myself up because I literally left it all on the table.
0: Mm-hmm. What
1: else could I do? But by having that mindset, when you start taking risks, you go, No, I left it all on the line. Okay, maybe the shot didn't turn out, maybe my idea didn't turn out. But I gave this everything, and my clients saw that I gave it everything. Mm-hmm. And that's I think that's really what is holding people back is, they hold back on their potential at at these weddings? You know, is there, is it a difference between, hey, like, I'll give one example. There was this wedding that I shot um, with my friend, Henry Wu, who's a videographer. Mm. And we flew out to Texas to shoot it. We were scheduled for a certain amount of time. But we got there, I was just like, this group has known each other since, like, they were kids wait I, we can't I can't just show up when she puts on her dress think what's all the stuff that happened before our wedding that's the stuff people remember right let me show up early and then he showed up early um we went to the rehearsal dinner the day before even though we weren't like paid to shoot it because I was just like let me just get in with this and then it was time to leave and me and him were looking at each other and we're like no this this party is. It's still rage. It's still going. And we were like, I have a feeling we should stay. Even though it would be two more hours of free work, right? But we stayed. And that last two hours, I got some of the best photos of my entire career. Wow. Because it wasn't about the money. It's never about the money. But it was like, what is more important right mm. some people they're just like hey it's nine o'clock later I'm out which I totally understand get paid for your time get that shuttered, right but when I when my hours were up and I told the, the bride and groom like hey like we're gonna stay it's my time that is I am now on the clock free so guess what I get to shoot it Mm. and that's why those photographs came out because I took the risk, and so that's how I was able to implement that into like a current client web yeah
0: I love this idea of being like how can I because it's also like that looks so good on you like that's also like such a good like relationship builder with your client like Mm -hmm. in a way to show them that this is like more than just a Monetary transaction, right? Like it's so multifold, and the like you get to go above and beyond for your client, and now you get to experiment in a way where there isn't pressure, right? If you weren't, like you said, if you're not paid to be there during that time, like you could take one amazing photo, and that's one amazing photo that they didn't pay for and didn't necess- wouldn't have had otherwise, and that's that's mm. incredible. That's incredible for both you and your clients.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean. It really does, like, you, you, if you don't love this job, Oh, don't do this job. Yeah, (laughs) that then probably don't, you know, that won't happen. And here's the thing. I always tell people, it's okay to to view this um, wedding photography as a job. Like, that's totally okay. Like, I tell people, hey, it's a good way to make money. You're good at it, and it comes naturally, but you're not, you're not thinking about it as, like, intensely as, as, you know, as others, that's totally cool. But if you, this, I'm, I'm speaking to like the people who are like, no, like if you're feeling like you are uncomfortable with your art right now, I always say that if you're uncomfortable, it's because that's your body or your mind or yourself trying to get you to move. It's mm. trying to get you to move to be in a place where you can be uncomfortable. But then, if you are comfortable, don't stay there for two. Because it's hard to get out of bed and you're sleeping in silk sheets. Mm. So, you got to like, I, I bring a lot of my, a lot of the principles that I work at in my business, I bring from like fighters and combat sports, mm. um, from like athletics. Um, and I, I look at, so I do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I look at the people who are like world champions and are uh, like good competitors and like boxers, you know. You hear about stories about Floyd Mayweather and all these big names. Yeah, they might be driving fancy cars, but there's stories about like Floyd where he would be at a club, like you know, like partying, and then instead of driving home, he goes, "No, I'm going to run." And so that grind is always there. And so I take all of those principles from athletics and sports and bring it into art because why not? Why can't, it's, it's still a discipline. Art is a discipline, just like a martial art, just like a sport. It's a discipline and it's the habits that an artist does that make the artist, Right. Mm-hmm. And so you just apply that same principles from sport over into art. And ever since I started doing that, I've noticed big shift. Because then I started taking it seriously.
0: Yeah, you have to. <laughs> yes. Wow, that's incredible. What would you, It's kind of like wrap it up, if you say there are photographers listening that have been like either feeling stunted or are feeling like there's a shift that needs to happen within their work to be more genuine to themselves and to their clients and to their artwork, is there, like, one piece of advice or even, like, an actionable item that you would tell them about?
1: Yeah. Well, there's two. It's a two-step. Perfect. First one is um, give yourself some grace. Because by giving yourself some grace, you stop treating yourself like a kid that's being punished. And, you know, it's like you hit a dog. Like, you can train the dog, but eventually that dog is it's not going to end it. So give yourself some grace. Be like, hey, wait a second. I'm making money shooting photos. Like that's crazy. Like when you think about it, like I'm not laying brick. I'm not doing tile. I'm not doing roofing. I'm not, you know, Um. there's so many other things that you get paid way less for, right? And so just be like, hey, I, I, I did it and start there. And then the second theme is make personal. You have to make it fun again. Photography should be fun. So you never there's times the business should it will get hard. Photography should be fun. And it should be what you like because when you do something that you like, you become obsessive. And when you become obsessive, it's when you grow. And when you grow, to a certain point, and then he, the cycle starts all. That's my advice.
0: Oh, Daniel, this is amazing. I'm like, this like ignited a fire in me. I'm like, I'm so excited to re-listen to this episode. Thank you so much for sharing all of this.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Oh my gosh, yes. I'm like, I'm so thrilled that we could have you on. And I, I'm so happy I got to learn from you. I'm so excited for everyone else to learn from you. Well, obviously link all of your information in the show notes but can you tell everyone where they can find you on the internet and all of that good stuff
1: yeah you can find me um by my website danielkimphoto.com and then through my instagram danielkimphoto and that's pretty much it
0: perfect we love that i love when it's just consistent names across the board yeah that's perfect (laughs) well thank you so so much again for your time and for your knowledge and for your wisdom um this has been amazing so thank you so much
1: awesome thanks for thanks for having me on i appreciate it so much
0: yeah and thank you guys for listening and we will see you next time